I kind of, I, I knew if I asked my friends, I knew what they were going to say. They were going to say, this isn't good, you should leave. And in hindsight, I should have listened to them mm. because they, they, I, they knew that that was the best thing for me to do, but I knew that they were going to try and convince me and I didn't want that. I, want, I was looking for someone to tell me you should stay. Holding on, letting go. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 6 of Knowing When to Quit. This is the podcast where we explore how we navigate the decision to bring something to a close. And today I'm talking to Madhi Silva Kumaran, who is a writer, filmmaker and disability activist from the North of England. She is going to be talking about her decision to quit a PhD a few years ago. And from the friends and you know people in my life I know who've done a PhD, it has to be one of the hardest things to commit to one small topic area for, you know, sometimes four years of your life. I suppose one thing that just really struck me from this conversation is how emotionally draining it is when you're making the decision, but yet you're still in the project. In this case, you know, Mother was still doing her PhD. She was still writing her essays and doing the research. And yet she wasn't sure she wanted to be there. And that was taking up so much headspace. And maybe as you listen to this, you can relate to a time in your life that you felt you had to hold on to something that was a long term commitment. And that's again, that sunk cost fallacy of, well, I've only, I've, you know, I've only got a week left or I've only got a month left. I'm sure I can get through it. And yet knowing in your heart, it's not where you want to be. Thank you so much, Mathi, for sharing so openly and so generously on this episode. I hope you will enjoy it. And finally, if you're enjoying this podcast and want to support us, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Sarah Wyler. Enjoy the episode. Letting go. Brilliant. Well, welcome, Mothi, and I'm really excited to, to speak to you today. Do you want to just share a bit about where you're at right now in the world and, and professionally? Yes. Um, so my name's Mothi. Um, I am a writer, director, filmmaker um, who's kind of come to this job through academia, um, and I'm based in near Sheffield. Thank you. And you got in touch because you'd been through a big quit at some point yes. in your life. Do you want to talk to me a bit about what that was? Yes. And yeah, what your experience was? Yeah. So I, like I say, I came to filmmaking through academia um, in the sense of I basically went through education up until the age of about 26, straight through without taking a break. Um, so I went to straight from school to university without taking a gap year. Um, after I graduated, I dived straight into a master's. Um, and in the middle of my master's, wasn't quite sure what I was doing. So I decided to apply for PhD on a whim, got it and thought, I'll just go with it. 
And I think all that time, I hadn't really known what I wanted to do um, in terms of like a career. And yeah, I just kind of kept going through education, not really knowing what I wanted to do, but being kind of too afraid of making a decision that would commit me to something of a career. So I thought if I just keep studying education as my forte, it's something I've always been good at. It's always going to be there. Why don't I just keep doing it? So that's how I sort of ended up at the age of 23, 24, doing a PhD. And everything was fine, but there was kind of things that just kept, little things that kept happening that I guess looking at it now were kind of like red flags that made me think maybe this isn't the right thing for me. And so it got to kind of like the end of my first year and they were kind of being like, we don't think you're doing okay. And I was like, but no one said to me otherwise up until like it had been a year up until that point it was the first you'd heard of it it was the first I'd heard of it I kind of I had basically at the end of first year you have to submit like a report and you do an interview and it's just it's like a progress review just to make sure that you're doing okay and obviously to get to that I I'm have always been the kind of person that works quite quickly up into like quite intensely up into a deadline I'll submit the thing and then it's fine and I and it worked for me up until that point. I, you know, I'd done four or five years of it up until that point. It was fine. Um, so, you know, the first the kind of weeks leading up to it, I was in the office for quite a while because I, you know, desperately wanted to get this thing done for this interview. And they were like, we don't think you, you, you're coping very well. So by the end of that, they were like, maybe you should take some time off. And that was sort of like the major, I think, point kind of turning point where it was the first time I'd actually really taken some time away from education mm. and it so made you me still enrolled on the course at this point yeah but I was on like a leave okay um but it gave me time to do other things so mm. kind of I was still involved at the choir at university so I was kind of exploring a bit more about my music and um I just before that point I'd gone on holiday and I had a new camera so by that point I was like oh well I've got this new camera let's see if I can help my friends filming things and I was learning how to edit on my computer because a friend had asked me to help her and you know I was trying to kind of I, I wasn't very good at just sitting so I was trying to use my time doing things that I enjoyed um and kind of looking back I think having taken that time made me in the back of my mind realize that being in that sort of educational environment wasn't the thing I wanted to do anymore. But it was for me, you know, when you commit to something, I didn't feel like I had enough of a reason to say, well, why don't we just leave it there? So I'd taken that leave for a few months and then I was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I came back, but I couldn't really, I didn't really feel like an affinity to what I was doing. So I was kind of going through the motions of, you know, talking to my supervisor, submitting a paper, like a chapter for a thing, doing a module, doing the classes, um, doing this, doing that for like just ticking boxes. But I kind of didn't really feel like I enjoyed it. And how much of that was to do with the way they treated you the year before? Like, did you kind of lose your confidence with it? Or was yeah. It easy, yeah, there was, and there was, there was things that I kind of mentioned to my friends and they were like, 
you know, that's not the way that's supposed to work, mm. right? And the more I was kind of going about this environment, the more I was like, I don't feel comfortable here. Mm. I don't feel like these people want me here. I don't feel like I want to be here. But there was a huge part of me that was like, you've committed to something. And there's a big part of me was also like, knew that in the back of my head, I have a reputation for not following through on things as just personally, like in my family. Um, as in your family have that reputation of as you? In I, yes. So mm. all through school, I'd always picked up kind of hobbies and things, done them for a while and then kind of not followed through on them. And, you know, from a kid, I did piano lessons, did those for a couple months, did singing lessons, did those for a couple months, bought a guitar when I was 15, lesson 14, did that for a couple months, bought a ukulele when I was 25, mm. did that for a couple months, actually just picked it up now. It's great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I, it was a thing that I'd, I'd, I felt like I'd always been told that I wasn't very good at committing to things. And so mm. I thought, this is the one thing. It's like proof, you know, if I do this, if I commit to this, if I get this thing that is outwardly recognizable as a successful thing, a PhD, then, you know, that shows that I don't quit things, that I'm good at doing things and I can follow through. Yeah, it's the ultimate, um, like, staying power medal. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like piano lessons, singing lessons, guitars, you know, that's, if you quit that, that's fine. There's small stuff, but if you can commit to something big like this, and everyone can see, oh, wow, you know, you spent three or four years doing that and you've got a certificate on your wall. That's great. You need to do that. Why was it so important to be seen to be someone who persevered? I think I think for me it was it was that sort of like mark of success. Like mm. this is what this is what I can show someone and say, this is something that I've done that is good. It was really hard for me to explain to people what I wanted to do, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I thought if I had this, people would be like, wow, I understand what that is. It's a, you know, out, it's a recognizable to anyone else symbol of a good education, a PhD. Everyone knows what that is. So I think that's why I stayed so long. It was, a, it was like a combination of things. Um, but the, I think there was also a part of me that was just being really stubborn that was like oh if I you know stick it out for another year it's fine I can do it and then you kind of work backwards from that oh I've got a year left okay this is what I need to do this is how I can get to that point and so you think okay well I can put up with this and that and this annoying thing and that annoying thing and this person breathing down my neck and this person telling me it's not good for a year that's fine mm. but then there was the part of me that procrastinates that was like, well, I don't want to do this because I'm not enjoying it. And the, the time gets less, but the pressure gets more. So it just sort of builds up like a pressure cooker. Like you've got so much to do. You've got less and less time to do it, but you're also not enjoying it. So you're putting it off. And then it gets more and more. Then you're getting feedback that you don't want. And there was, I remember there was a point when I was researching something and it was, um, I remember I was in the library and I was reading something and it was about, it was, it was just like a, an article of, from a book about perceptions of disability. And it was 
I don't remember what the thing was, but it was basically essentially saying that people with disabilities are not capable of love or being loved. And I was like, why am I reading this? Like, why am I forcing myself to read this? It was so, I just took it so personally. And my friend was saying, she was like, this is so horrible. Why are you reading this? And I was like, I don't know why I'm putting myself through this. It's really hard. And so I told my supervisors, I was like, I don't, I don't feel in the right place to do this. I don't feel like this is, it's really getting to me. I don't, I don't like it. I, I'm, I'm struggling. And one of their responses was, you should take it personally because that's how you get it done. What? Yeah. And because if it's, if it's personal to you, then it means oh, I see. You, know, you can do it's it. It's like the motivation. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I don't, you don't understand though. You don't see where I'm coming from, that it's really like mentally affecting me. Mm. Not just like, I need to get it done. It's that it's messing with my mind. And I think that was the point. I think that was sort of like a point, like a breaking point where I was like, I don't think they get where I'm coming from. And it was, it was sort of like the the point where there was a, the, the, it, there was a final disconnection. I was like, they, yeah. they don't understand where I'm coming from. And I don't think they will. Mm. So, How far were you at this point? Three, three and a bit years into this. And I kind of wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I wasn't really working at that point. I was kind of sitting, thinking, mm. not really writing anything. Um, and... I kind of, I, I knew if I asked my friends, I knew what they were going to say. They were going to say, this isn't good, you should leave. And in hindsight, I should have listened to them mm. because they, they, I, they knew that that was the best thing for me to do, but I knew that they were going to try and convince me and I didn't want that. I, want, I was looking for someone to tell me you should stay. Okay. And did anyone tell you? So, I mean... I, what I did was I asked people who had done PhD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was looking for the bias. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for the right answer. Um, and it was, I mean, I did ask people that I trusted. Um, yeah. It was, you know, people that I knew, I had people I actually knew from choir who had done PhDs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they said to me, like, it isn't for everyone. Not in like a way that I don't think you're good enough, but it's just in a yeah. way that like, it's a really difficult thing to do and it isn't for everyone. And I've said the same thing to people actually afterwards. I've said it's not for everyone. Having come out of it, it's not for everyone. Um, and, you know, some of them gave me advice of things to do. Like, you know, if you have enough work to come out of it with an MPhil, you could do that. That's an option. I was really grateful for them to kind of be like, to give me some information like, oh, you know, you could do this. But none of it felt right. None of it felt like that's what I want to do. Like, I, I felt like if they said something to me that made sense, I would have been like, yes, that's what I want to do. Mm. But nothing they'd said to me felt like, just like, felt like the right thing. Well, you didn't want a solution, did you? Yeah, no. You, so it's like, actually, those aren't helpful bits of advice when you don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. So eventually it kind of got to a point where I was like, I, I felt like I had to make a decision. It kind of almost felt like I was either, I had to, it was either jump or be pushed. Wow. Um, and I decided to just jump. Um, so I kind of said, and 
at this point I actually wasn't communicating with them anymore. I was communicating with this, one of the um, admin people because I was that relationship for me was so far gone that I was like, I don't even want to communicate with them anymore. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to go. So I didn't even speak to them. I didn't even tell them I was doing it. I just signed the paperwork and I left. Wow. That was it. So, yeah, that was April 2017. Mm. I think I started in October 2013. Okay. So I'd lasted that long. Yeah. And that's how I got to that point. Yeah, so... I'm curious about that moment when it was push or be pushed. Mm -hmm. What what helped you make that final decision? I think for the for a couple of months before that, I was trying to do things that I was like, I was almost kind of like preparing myself. I was like building like a like a nest to be like, well, if I'm going to have to do it, what can I? I don't want the jump to be so sudden that I don't know what I'm doing. So I was trying to find things to do. So um, I'd had a bit of part-time work while I was at uni in marketing. Um, I, you know, had the camera, I'd learned how to edit, mm. um, got a part-time job doing um, like social media videos for the student union. Um, and kind of through various crossing opportunities, I'd gotten um, some work with my old school and they'd said you know we'd love to be able to do this with you going forward so I thought there's an opportunity there's something I could do it wasn't guaranteed at that point and it wouldn't be guaranteed for a while but I knew that there was something that I could do that people would pay me to do did that feel important to have something to go to like do you think yeah. you would have left if there had been nothing no I think I needed you know, I, I I needed something to do. I couldn't kind of go out into the void and do nothing. Mm -hmm. I, I still live at home. I, I was living at home at that point. I still mm -hmm. live at home. I felt like I couldn't just leave and not do anything. I needed to have a backup. Yeah. And even then, I think my parents were like, that's not really a backup, you know? That's How not did they really... feel about it all? Oh, just... they didn't, they, just on the down though. <laughs> They didn't know that I left for a while. Um, oh, really? That was a, yeah, that was a bit of a... And you were living bit, with them? Yeah, I was a bit of a sore point when they found out. Um, they got over eventually <laughs> and realised very quickly that it was the best thing I could have done. I'd love to hear about those first few weeks or months after you finally quit your thesis, your your um, your PhD. Like, how was that? What were some of the emotions that you experienced? Yeah, it was a little bit like scared really because I was like I don't really know what I'm doing I'm kind of looking for things to do looking for opportunities to do things spent a lot of time at the cinema on my own just like let's find something to do let's just keep keep ourselves occupied got to do something I'd spent so long in education to come out of it with basically to have done four years and come with nothing was a really scary thing for me because I I kind of do operate almost on the return on investment thing like I'd gone through what four years of that I had nothing to return from it what 
can I do? Or what can I do with this now? Like, what can I do with this experience that I had? And I did spend quite a while like looking at my CV and being like, what can I frame this time period as? Like, what can I say that I did? And, you know, there was a few things, like one of my friends who did a PhD said, you can still put it on your CV as a researcher because you did do research, even if it didn't go anywhere, you were still doing it. You still got paid to do it because you had funding, even if you didn't get a piece of paper out of it, it still means something. Mm. So I still put it on my CV. It's still there. Um, And, you know, there was other things I did. But, you know, I was able to frame that time in a more positive way, which I think helped going forward. Because I think if I'd have just looked at that time as dead space, it would have been really hard for me to go forward from that. Yeah, and I think this is so important when we look at quitting an experience that the, the only it's not that the only marker of success is that something completely finished in the way we expected it to finish mm-hmm. and I think you know I think it's so important to look back at with different perspectives on what an experience has given us and you know I'm really curious how you feel about it now when you look back at your PhD days like what are the things that you you did learn in that time and that might be about yourself it might be about what you want and what you don't want like what are the fruits for you like five what is it five years on no longer when when did you leave 2017 you finished 2017 yeah three years yeah I think actually one of the things I did learn just from the like the the actual content was um and it's something I write in um when I'm applying for like filmmaking things now um, is that I did, obviously did a lot of research about disability in the film and I part of it was picking out things that I found really annoying in films in representations it, like you know they always have able-bodied actors or you know they always use these sort of metaphors and they always portray disabled characters as the villain or as evil or as you know bad characters or you know they never get uh, the character art that they deserve they almost get written out the story at the end of it. And there was all things that really frustrated me. And when I left, I was like, this is the sort of thing I could sit behind a keyboard and criticize in articles, or I could take that keyboard and I can write something myself and I could make the representations I want to see and put them out there and contribute something better. So I think actually one of the things I got out of it was a better understanding of what I don't want Mm. in representation going forward. And that's really helped me because weirdly enough, I can formulate an argument about, you know, in academia, this is what we see and this is why it's a bad thing. And that's, this is why what I'm creating goes against that. And that's why I'm doing it. So I think that was weirdly one of the best things I learned. Um, and I'm really glad I did do that. Um, but it actually gave me some time to think about like where this sort of idea of quitting the, being a bad thing came from. Mm. Um, and we ended up actually, when I was working at my old school, we were talking about it in the office because I was working in the marketing department. And we were saying that when you're at school, when I was at school anyway, um, we were we weren't really taught how to fail Mm. 
or or to kind of bounce. We we were taught resilience, but not really what that meant. We were just taught that you've got to do it, but we weren't really kind of yeah. We didn't really know how to fail and bounce back from it. We were just we saw failure as a bad thing. So it was almost like that fear of failure pushes you forward. But it meant that we weren't really taught how to how to quit mm. and to understand that sometimes that's what you need to do. Um, this is coming from, so I should contextualize, I went to a, a private school, a mm. girls' school, which is quite a fast, you know, driven environment anyway. And... When, you know, when I was at school, was, I left school in, 20, in 2008. And so I do feel like it's a different environment. We, we, we were basically saying it's a different environment now. You know, they're taught, they are taught a bit more about, you know, how to take successes and failures and, and learn from them and move forward. But I think back then it was very much like, a, you know, you have to go to university and you have to do these things and, you know, you can't quit now. You've got to keep going. And I know some people people like good friends of mine that maybe were doing career choices that they shouldn't have done because they were too afraid to say, this isn't the right thing for me. I should just leave it. They thought the same thing I did several years later, which is mm-hmm. what well, committed to something now. And I don't know how to, how to quit. I don't know how to quit because we're not taught that it's a good thing. So true. And I think this thing of perseverance is a useful skill, mm-hmm. but only if it's the right thing for you. Yeah. And I think that's where we, we you know, I, that was really helpful to hear the context of your school. And I can imagine that that added to it. If there's, you know, there's all this expectation and this is culturally, you just keep going. You just mm-hmm. don't stop. But only if it's the thing you want to do. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and then it's how do you know, like, is this just me having a bad day or like, is this totally misaligned? And I mean, what I'm hearing from your experience is that, you know, there were relationships that, I mean, people just complete values clash. You weren't understood, Mm. you weren't supported. um, And ultimately like the material you were having to deal with was like totally going against what you believed in. And like so much there, like how can anyone say that you should persevere in that kind of environment? Yeah, I was reading this book a while ago called Range. Oh, yeah. It talks about generalism versus specialists. Because, you know, when you're at school, you're taught that you get you get narrower and narrower. You go from GCSEs to A-levels to a degree. And then if you keep going to a master's to a PhD and you, you know, end up studying this really, really little tiny, tiny little dot in the world. But actually, people that are generalists, which is what I realise I am now, you know, they have great skills and that's something that you're not taught when you're, you're at university, you're taught when you're at school. You're not really taught that you can have multiple interests. You're kind of taught to pursue one thing, but then you're also taught that, to be scared if you've decided that's not the thing that you want to do. I, as an adult, have realised that the world is not built for me. Like, I, nothing is accessible as a disabled person in the world nothing in this world is accessible so I feel like I've always had to go through the world trying to fit myself into spaces that I don't fit into whether that's you know my my school was built in a Victorian Victorian buildings that were not very accessible they put in grab rails where they could but you know I started to climb three flights of stairs to go to my lessons you know when I was at university 
I had a support system at school that basically disappeared when I went to university. And so I had to kind of fit into these spaces of not really understanding where I fit in. And, you know, it the it's really hard to move through the world like that. And when you're kind of taught that, or when you see yourself as different, you don't want to cause a fuss. You don't want to bring attention to yourself. And so you just kind of do things the way that the world says you should do them because you don't want to say, well, I do things differently. I need my own path. But then when that path doesn't work for you, you don't want to bring attention to yourself by saying, you know, I'm stuck. You don't want it. So you might as well just like quit. You know, it's, it's very, it's, it's a really hard path to navigate being, being in a world where you don't really fit in, but then not knowing what to do is so difficult. And I think I've always kind of taken that internally and just kept it inside of me and like you know it's always going to be tough I've just got to deal with it and it's such a I don't know I I, if I wish that I could tell people but like you know if there is if you have a problem you can just you can get some help with it and I think that is yeah it's something I think it's an English thing as well we're kind of not taught to ask for help and you know you've just got to sort of keep going with it you've just got to sort of keep digging through your problems even if you're just digging yourself into a hole let's talk a bit about what you're up to now so three years over three years since you've you made that decision Mm -hmm. what's been in that space so um when I was around the time I was thinking about leaving um I went to the cinema and I watched a movie called Moonlight oh yeah and I remember coming out of it and thinking I want to do something like that like that's it was the first time I looked at something and went that's what I want to do mm. this is it was so it was so beautifully made such an interesting story and it, it was the fact that it was a story about somebody who was nothing like me but I totally understood where they were coming from that sort of empathy I was like this is what I want to do because I am nothing like Chiron but I want someone to to be able to put themselves in my shoes and understand where I'm coming from. Mm. I want to create that sort of film for somebody. So I remember watching that thinking, that's what I want to do. And that was almost the sort of the starting point of it. So once I left, um, I was trying to find work doing, finding ways that I could learn first, like through doing it myself how to do filmmaking so I got marketing jobs I asked friends if I could do videography stuff for them um I ended up doing a lot of like pro bono stuff for people for like wedding shoots yeah um a friend of mine whose dad is an artist I did some videos for them the year afterwards that summer I'd entered a competition with um Bumble um they do the dating app yeah. yeah. So they do, they, they, that year they started a, um, it's called the female, female film force. It's like a picture writing competition where you enter an idea, uh, for a film. And if they like it, they kind of long list you and shortlist you. And then you go into like, you present your idea. And then if you win, you get, I think it was 
10, 10 or 20,000 pounds to make, make a short film. Um, so I ended up getting long-listed. So out of a thousand pictures, I was in the final 23. That's incredible. Which was, it was so, and it, it was so humbling because I had no idea what I was doing. But I was like, people actually believe in this. Like, they really believe in my idea. And at that point, it was just an idea. Like, you didn't have to have a script. You didn't have to have anything. It was just an idea. What was the idea? Um, it was about a girl who is in a wheelchair but meets these long brothers and decides that that's what she wants to do. Mm. And anyone who knows me knows that that, that idea could only come from my head. It was basically mm. me as a child. Once I got that, I was like wow, like I could do this. Um, so I ended up, my friend spoke to somebody who she knew um, in the BFI, like the local hub, and I met with them. And it's been quite like a long development process, but we are currently, me and my producer, are applying for funding now to make that, that film. So hopefully we're shooting in, so next year. We were supposed to we were supposed to be applying for funding and shooting this year, but because of the pandemic, everything got cancelled. Yeah. So yeah, it's been postponed, but we're hoping to shoot next next year. Momentum's there. Well that's yeah. incredible. And I'm just hearing that with a comparison to your PhD feedback. Mm -hmm. you know, to, to to go from such lukewarm responses and, and like lack of encouragement to putting yourself forward for something and getting long listed yeah and it's just what a contrast and I also I wanted to acknowledge as well something else you shared which is when you had those breaks especially I think you're talking about the first break that you know the enforced pause mm -hmm. that that's when you discovered like your love of editing and all of those things and I think it's it's something that we can be, when, when, when we're scared about the space, actually just being curious about what you do when you have nothing to do mm -hmm. is what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. The I was I, you did in the space was ended up being your love, right? Yeah, I, I'm, in a way, I'm kind of glad that it happened that way, even if at the time I was kind of annoyed by it. In those sort of enforced breaks, it gave me time to think, I've got to find something to do. What can I do that is enjoyable? And so, yeah, I ended up, I, I I bought a Mac for my PhD and that's when I learned how to use iMovie because it came with like I didn't have a yeah. I didn't have a Mac before that before when I was um, an undergrad so that's how I learned to do that and I bought a camera because I, I bought a camera because I wanted one not because I wanted to film just because I wanted one but then I had that and I was like I've got time now I can actually mm. learn how to use this and not just be that person that has a camera that doesn't know what they're doing I can learn how to do these things and so yeah I'm glad I'm glad those, I'm glad I had those pause points because it gave me the time to be able to do that Quit. these weird pause points have given me a, a boost mm -hmm. like a, in in these kind of weird times that I could be in my mind and be incredibly like anxious and not know what's going on and things I've managed to find a way to spin it and find something to do that's given me more of a direction in my creativity and just generally yeah yeah that's amazing 
I, I don't, I'd, I'd love to hear, um, what do you think about quitting now? Having gone through all of that and where you are? I think there's always a bit, a little part of me that will still always find a way to not do it. I mm. think it's just, in, I think it's just something that culturally and like the way I was raised and the way I've grown up, there's always a part of me that <clears throat> thinks there must be a way to do it. But I definitely look at it in a different way now. Like I, I actually was having this conversation with my writing coach. She's very good at helping me break through blocks um, and my perfectionism. And I came to a realization a while ago that actually for me, quitting isn't about stopping something because you don't want to do it anymore. For me, it's about realizing when something isn't serving me and it's not working for me. So it's not a bad thing. It's me realizing that my energies are probably better served doing something else. And so I always look at it as an opportunity to think, why isn't it working? What is it about it that isn't working? And can I like, can I learn from it? Can I do something differently? Because a lot of the time it might not be that I actually have to completely stop something. It might just be that it's a small change. Quitting can just be a change of direction. It's not about like turning the car off and getting out. It might just be like taking a different off-road and going yeah. in a slightly different direction. Or having a pause like you did with your... Yeah. I think that's also really powerful, like the power of just giving something some space and then yeah. seeing how you feel. But yeah, so I, many things I've done that I've taken a pause and thought, actually, I do want to go back to mm. it. So, yeah. I think that's a really interesting insight and especially about the redirection of energy. If the work of it outweighs the enjoyment of it for me that's always a sign that it's not what I should be doing and I know that there needs to be diff there's difficulties in everything I know that when I make this film like I've talked about this with my producer there's going to be days when I'm very very stressed mm. and I know that it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows but I know that if the difficulties of something is too much and if I'm if I cannot find at least one thing and I enjoy it, that for me is definitely a sign. And I, it also strikes me that what you were doing your PhD on, you've ended up doing that really. And like you're, you're, you would, well, you were researching the portrayal of disability in, in film and, and literature. Yeah. And you're now creating your own version of a positive portrayal. Yeah. So you haven't quit the topic. <laughs> you've really just, exactly. you're just doing it in a way that makes much more sense for your personality and... Yeah and what you're getting back from it and it sounds like you're really collaborating with others it feels much more alive so you know really it's just a, like the context has changed but the subject hasn't yeah like I I never would have considered myself a creative person I always think like growing up I always thought that was something for other people like my sister did art and music at GCSE mm -hmm. so I thought that's her thing I have a friend who was an amazing writer when I was at school and I thought, well, that's her thing. There was always people that were much better at singing than I was. And so I thought that's their thing. So I never thought, I was good at words and I was good at debating, but I always thought, I didn't think I was creative. Mm. That wasn't my domain. I was good at, I was good at school. 
but I was good at education. I thought learning was my thing, but creativity, not so much my thing. And I think that's why I went that way. Cause I thought, I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the sort of less grammary languagey part of a languages degree. And I enjoyed the sort of, I enjoyed the creative side in the sense of the literature and the film. Mm. Like I enjoyed that side of it. But because I didn't see myself as creative, I thought this is my way of contributing to that using my forte, which is education and learning. And I think that's why I didn't do it because I thought, oh, you know, there's someone out there that can do it better than me. They're more creative than me. And I think those gaps gave me that opportunity to be like, well, no, actually, you know, I did graphic design for the posters for um, the choir. And they were like, well, you're really good at this. And I think that's where there was a little spark. So those little things that made me think maybe I am creative and maybe that is what my thing is. So I do think like now, I love I love learning. I love the act of learning. But I do think that my forte is being creative. That's brilliant. So yeah. Yeah, and we we all are creative. We all have the capacity to be creative and yes. it's actually just whether we are using it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. think like we're all we all have the capacity to be empathetic. We all have the capacity to be joyful and and funny like it it really it's just untapped or or not creativity yeah but um we can get quite hung up I think on like oh that person's a writer therefore they're creative and there's yeah. writers that aren't actually that creative <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's I think so much as well tied into like the, like economics of it yeah. like you think oh that person that person's gonna become a writer like that's gonna be their thing mm. I write but I don't think I could make money out of it so oh clearly that's not my thing Mm. but like now I'm like you know I have like canvases that I've done downstairs I'm not going to sell them but like I love like doing them and my parents are always like what are you going to do with them I'm like I just don't have to though do you you? don't have to no you can just do it for fun and it'll just be there in the same way that we most people cook every day yeah because they want to cook and they want to eat but they don't yeah. necessarily have to become a chef or sell their recipes. Yeah. I think creativity is exactly the same. It's something we do to nourish ourselves that we do just because. And as soon as we start putting in this, oh, well, how's it going to make money? Where's it going to be? Like, who, you know, the, the visibility of it, it can Im- immediately take away any of the fun. I mean, sometimes you might want to share things. Yeah. I might sometimes create to share, but a lot of the time it's just the joy of, being in that thing and then it's like that was just the experience of creating yeah and it it can be it can be really difficult because I think I do I also do still sometimes fall into that I don't feel like I'm I'm making money I don't feel like I'm contributing Mm. I feel like I need to find a job or I need to find something that can prove to the world that I am socially responsible and you know I'm economically providing to the world and it can be really hard to keep doing that when, you know, that's not the be all and end all. And again, this comes from the privilege of being in a situation where I don't have to, but it can, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to put that economic value on creativity because it's not meant to be that. No. Like creativity is meant to be just that it's meant to be, making things it's not meant to be putting a value on them 
Yeah. And there's so many things that we do just for the experience. If every time we went, you know, went for a walk or, or like went to the shops, it was like judged, <laughs> like all of yeah. these things that we just do. Or like, you know, every time we had a chat with a friend just for fun, someone was like analysing whether the conversation was good. I don't, it's just, yeah. all the, and it's basically what we do with creativity. We're like, people do stuff and then it's judged and oh yeah I mean this is the beauty of watching kids play because there's so yeah. much creativity just for the sake of it they're not trying to monetize anything yeah but equally I hope that you if you're if you want to do that with your film that it is as successful as you want it to be and I hope yeah. that it can, can reach as many people as you're hoping it to reach I hope I hope so it's, it's really difficult though with short films because there's not an economic investment like return on it. Mm. So you're kind of, you apply for funding and you ask for them, but you still have to kind of, um, you know, answer all these questions and it needs to tick certain boxes. And it's really difficult because you want to make something, but it's also got to tick diversity boxes and it's got to tick um, training opportunities boxes and all these different things and it's really difficult and you know the money's never going to come back like it's not like a film like a feature film where the box office numbers match up to the budget kind of thing it's short films don't make money they never make money um so I I do at the times feel that pressure of like I've got this is my first one it's the first thing I'm, I'm it's the first thing I'm doing that proves my name I've got a I've got to make it worth it kind of thing. It is really, I feel the pressure of that sometimes, but then I think I've just got to take a step back and think I'm doing this because, I mean, it's several years in the making, but I'm doing it because I really want to do it. And I, I think back to that person that I was a few years ago that was reading these, watching these films and reading these things and thinking I could do so much of a better job than this. And I've just got to think back to that person and think, is the thing that I'm making now is that going to make that person proud? Yeah. And I hope through what I've written and what I'm making and the the people that I'm bringing on my project who believe in what I'm doing, like I hope that they will help, will see that and they'll help me make something that makes that person proud. Amazing. So how can we follow what you're up to? So, I mean... <laughs> During the pandemic, I'd basically come off social media because I was like, it's toxic. I can't do this anymore. Um, but I guess I'm on Instagram and I'm hopefully going to be resurrecting that when the film comes out. And so you've got a website, it. right? And I've got a website, yes, which is, um, I go over my full name professionally, which is Sivamabi. S-I-V-A-M-A-T-H-Y. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I guess you can follow me online there. Yeah. Brilliant. We'll put anything in the show notes as well. Thank you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was thank amazing. Yeah, amazing to hear your story. Um, so the final thing is, what advice would you give to anyone who is struggling to decide whether to quit a PhD? To struggling to quit a PhD, I would honestly, genuinely, and I say this because I've actually given this advice to people who are thinking about thinking about quitting their PhDs, apparently I'm the person to come to about these things now. Another um, career. <laughs> yeah, it's my career now. Um, I would think about whether or not it's actually serving a purpose for you. Um, I know a lot of people who do PhDs do it because um, 
it's going to give them a step up in their career in terms of sciences, if it's really needed for your job and there is something pushing you forward, there's a goal that you want to reach to do that, whether it means that you can work in this field or if you can get this job with it, then that gives you something to drive towards and that gives you more of motivation. If you're doing it off of your own back, if it feels like more of a daily struggle mm. and it's more work and hassle and frustration than that end goal is worth, I would really think about whether that grinding down of your gears is truly worth it because it will take years off of your life of stress and at the end of the day I think your like mental well-being and your ability to kind of come out of the situation as a whole person that's not constantly stressed is more important than a piece of paper on a wall um so yeah I would think about whether or not it sounds really weird to say but whether or not it's really worth it yeah to have that piece of paper yeah. instead of your own personal health yeah I always ask people if no one knew you were doing this would you still do it yeah and then you can really check in am I doing this for the external validation yeah I I, I knew that if I was going to get it that a grand total of maybe three people would be reading my thesis at the end of the day yeah. I was like, and, are those three people really going to care? <laughs> so Probably true. not. Oh, well, thanks so much. And yeah, maybe see you at Writer's Hour as well. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Letting go. Holding on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Knowing When to Quit. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a review or sharing it with friends, family and colleagues so that we can have more people having a better relationship with quitting. You can also buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Sarah Wyler. See you next week. Holding on.